Hello and welcome to the Forge Church Catch-Up Podcast. We're delighted that you have chosen to click play on this podcast. Each Sunday, our hope and prayer is to provide practical teaching directed by God that ties into everyday life. We hope today's talk encourages you. Hey Siri, how do you tell if the baby's coming? The baby's coming? I haven't got a bags. Where's the midwife's number? We've got to tell someone. Come on. We've got to go, we've got to go! Come on! Hey Siri, text mum. I'm going to need you at the hospital. See you there. Texting mum in all caps. Okay, good morning everybody. Okay, great to see you. Welcome online as well. So happy that you're uh, joining us. Um, you're... Uh, very much part of our church through uh, tuning in each week, and we really value um, uh, you connecting with us uh, in this way. The way in which, I love those little videos, because the way in which we communicate and connect with each other uh, has changed so much. If we want information, uh, uh, it always used to be the case that you would go to a book, you'd go to an encyclopedia, you'd be able to look it up. If you wanted a contact number, you'd go to Yellow Pages or those other big, thick telephone books. And then, of course, the internet was formed, and so then this thing called Google happened. And uh, if you wanted information, you could just type information into Google, and of course, all the information would come up uh, via the internet. Uh, And over the last little while, of course, they've looked to take that for just a little bit more. Uh, And so now um, we can use our phones because our phones are almost like our personal assistants now, aren't they? Because you can just make a request of our phone. You can say, hey, I'm not going to say it because my phone will go off. Um, But you can say, hey, that word. And um, uh, it it will ask you, what what do you want? And you can say, can you play this music? Can you text this person? Whatever. And it's incredible how Siri or Alexa or Google Google now are able to do those things. And what's so clever about the technology is that it is brilliant at being able to find information for us at such a speed uh, and just make it readily available to us. And it is great on information. We've said this most weeks. It is great on information, but it's not so good when it comes to wisdom. And so what we're doing over these uh, six weeks uh, is we are... This Hey Siri series is we're looking to, in a sense, replace Siri by going to another name. The name is James. James was the half-brother of Jesus. He wrote a letter, and within this letter, there is immense wisdom when it comes to faith and when it comes to life and when it comes to relationships. And so we're exploring some questions over these six weeks. And today's question, as Helen um, said at the start, it kind of starts with information, but we're going to be exploring some incredible wisdom that can change our relationships. And the question for today, as you can see there, what are the rules of Fight Club? Fight Club, the film, was brought out in uh, 1999. It starred me, Helen, and um, uh, some other actors and actors. No, it was Brad Pitt, Helen Bonham Carter, and, uh, and people like that. And uh, in 99, when it came out, it kind of flopped a bit, really, within the cinema. 
But when it was um, released on DVD, it kind of took a life of its own and it became one of those kind of cult movies um, uh, that, that people would speak about and it's now known as one of those pioneer type films back in the uh, late 90s. Uh, but there were some rules to Fight Club. And let me tell you what those rules were. I'll tell you the first two. This is, this is the quote from the film. Gentlemen, welcome to Fight Club. The first rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. The second rule of Fight Club is, you do not talk about Fight Club. The third rule, and I'm not going to go on to that, it moves on. But in other words, Fight Club is not something you should talk about. Well, today we're breaking the first two rules, because we are talking about Fight Club. Not the film Fight Club, but in answering the question, why is it that we get into fights and arguments and have tantrums and shouting matches with others in our lives. Why do we do it? Because maybe um, uh, that is your experience in coming to church today, that the kids weren't ready and so you had a real go at them, or, or your parents weren't ready, so you had a real go at them. Uh, or maybe at work this week, you've had a bit of a fallout with one of your colleagues or your boss has seemed to have been so unreasonable uh, and so you feel really angry towards them. It might be something that was said in your small group, in your 10-month group, and you kind of just feel really cross about this other person. But the thing is, have you ever stopped to ask yourself why? What is it that causes fights and quarrels? So what I want you to do is I want you to turn to the person next to you. If you're brave, if you don't know them, ask them their name because that's always really polite, okay? Uh, and then answer that question. What is it that causes fights and quarrels? You've got about half a minute, so be quick. Go for it. Why do we fight? Why do we have arguments? Go for it. Okay, right, you've had a chance, a quick chance to uh, explore uh, that question. Obviously, we're not going to have a chance to be able to find out what's in the room, nor from you who uh, are watching either. Uh, but I can go back um, a number of years when I first moved into Mendlesham, and uh, we'd bought this three-bedroomed house, and uh, we'd got a small garden at the back, and there was a long stretch of grass along uh, the side of the house, uh, but it was kind of open plan. So as the children um, uh, came along, we wanted to be able to, one, build an extension, uh, but also to be able to have a bigger back garden. And so we went to the council and said, look, are we able to? Is this land ours? They said, yes. Are we able to fence it? They said, yes. Uh, and so we um, uh, looked to put a fence uh, to go around to extend our back garden, which went around the side of the house. And um, our I went to see our neighbour and just said, look, this is what we're looking to do. We've got uh, small kids. We want to increase the kind of the, uh, the play area. And he was incredibly grumpy. He says, you can't do that. So I said, well, actually, we went to the council, and the councillor said it's our land, and, and that we were able to. Uh, about a few days later, we had a letter from this, my neighbour's son just saying that we weren't to do anything because um, his solicitor uh, was uh, trying to sort out um, uh, and to explain why we wouldn't be allowed to do this fence. And so this went on for about six months. And um, I used to see the guy. I'd always try and be polite. And inside, I was thinking, you silly old man. And um, that's only what I was thinking, though. And um, uh, as time went on, and we 
never heard anything from the solicitor. We put the fence up and uh, uh, we painted it and uh, I went to see the next door neighbour and I says, what do you think of the fence? He said, it's like the black hole of Calcutta. So I thought, oh, you don't like it then. <laughs> and um, uh, anyway, um, uh, it, was, it was really, really awkward. So whenever I kind of walked up, I would never kind of look at the house because it just, it just felt a little, bit, um, uh, a little bit tense. I thought I would try and help him out. Uh, and I went and cut his lawn because I love cutting lawns. I cut anyone's lawn. Uh, and I was cutting his lawn. And unfortunately, the very next time I cut his lawn, after getting the fence up, a stone flicked up from the lawnmower and smashed his front window. <laughs> So I had to go and then knock on the door and apologize. Oh, dear, oh, dear. But I hate conflict. I, I hate those kind of uh, those moments where we're not seeing eye to eye. Uh, and it was all to do with a bloomin' fence. When you've talked and you've tried to answer that question, what is it that causes fights and quarrels? Something, if you've had an argument or, or a fallout with someone recently, you'll be able to go straight to the reason why. And it's normally because they've been very unreasonable. Doesn't it? I mean, to be honest, that is because uh, it's um, that, that's what happens uh, within us. In other words, we go straight to the circumstances and say that the circumstance of the fence is the source of the problem. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at some words of James because he is going to tell us a different answer. The problem is is that we're not going to like his answer, but if we accept his answer, honestly, it can transform relationships that we have. So these are brilliant words, but they are uncomfortable. Here we go. Let's go in to see uh, what he says. James 4 verse 1. What causes fights and quarrels among you? I've just highlighted the word causes there because cause basically means source or origin. So what is the origin of the fights and quarrels? What's, uh, what's the source of it? And he goes on to explain. Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? So I've highlighted there two little phrases, among you and within you. Among you and within you. Which one is right? Is it because of what's happening among us or is it what's happening within us? The temptation when it comes to arguments and fallouts and, uh, and those strops that, that um, uh, can take place, it is really easy to jump to the conclusion that our relational problems amongst us is because of circumstances. For me, it's the fence. And James says, you have to look beyond that and you have to look within you. In other words, what James is saying is this, is that our relational difficulties don't stem from conflict between two people from an external source. What he's saying is, is that the problem starts in us. In other words, there is this internal conflict that happens within us that is very hard to keep inside. It nearly always spills out into our relationships. So the battle for happiness and contentment, for being right, for getting what we want. Okay, I promise you, the fence wasn't the issue for my neighbour and I. We both wanted something different and actually we both wanted to win. That was the issue. I wanted to get my way. He wanted to get his way. And it's an internal issue, not an external one. And as I said, the problem is, is that because of the battle that goes on inside of us, because we want what we want, uh, and we want to be right, and we want to get our own way, that nearly always spills out 
into the lives of people who are closest to us. It's because the external conflict is caused by an internal conflict that we can't contain. And we end up blaming other people for our unhappiness or our discontentment. That's what we do. And so we will say things or things will be said to us, you make me so cross. Yeah? Heard that one? Said that one? Or, I'd be so much happier if I wasn't with you. That might just be my marriage. That Sarah, no, not really, not really. Now, that's a joke. My in-laws are here. It was a joke. All right. Let me tell you a secret. You're not going to like this very much. If you hurt me, I want everyone to know that you've hurt me. I do. Because I want to get sympathy and I want to get people on my side. Yeah, this probably is not just me, but it is the dark side of me. And that there's something within me that still wants to hold my anger against you if you've hurt me. And it's because while I do that, it's your fault. It's true. While I do that, while I hold this anger, it is your fault. That's why I'm hurt. It's because of you. You're the issue. If I start to take what James says seriously, I have to start not with you, but with me. I'm not getting what I want. (laughs) And so when that happens, all power of getting people to have sympathy with me kind of dissipates, doesn't it? Because they say, but you didn't get what you wanted. You just said that. And so all of a sudden, my power of being in the right and the other person being wrong just starts to to get lost. And the temptation is not to blame me, but it's always to blame you. It's always to blame another person. And the temptation is just to try and deal with the circumstances, which is why our external conflicts are caused by an internal conflict that we can't contain. The battles and arguments uh, that we have are caused by battles that rage inside of us. And honestly, acknowledgement of that truth has the power to revolutionise relationships that we have. James goes on to say this. So he talks about the fights and quarrels, why they come from the desires that battle within you. You desire, but you don't have. He's basically saying, why are you mad at someone? It's because there's something that you you want and you can't have. And do you know what? That is true whether we deserve or feel that we deserve or ought to have something. It is still playing within us. You think of the last argument you had. Why were you so cross? Because you weren't getting your way. It's the same in marriage. It's the same in family life. It's it's the same in work situations too. If we don't get our own way, we will start to feel mad at the other person because that's ultimately what we want. You desire, but you do not have. So he promised to be committed to me for life and now he's gone. And so I can't have what I'd wanted. Now, you don't go there because you want sympathy and you want people to get on your side and say, isn't he awful? Isn't that terrible what happened? But actually, what's happening, most of the pain is that I haven't got what I wanted. That's why this is so difficult. This is so hard in hearing this. I'm angry because I want something and I'm not getting it. She doesn't listen to me. He doesn't do stuff uh, around the house. He spent our savings. She got the role that I wanted. He got the credit for my idea. I didn't get what I wanted, even if I deserved it. And that is the source of conflict. 
Because you can't have conflict if people don't mind. <laughs> you try having an argument with someone who doesn't mind. It doesn't go anywhere, does it? It's because when we hold something and we want something really strong, when we come up against opposition, we will fight to be able to get our way. And why? It's because it starts within. Remember James, this whole letter, he is writing to Christians. So this is arguments and fighting that's going on in the church, as if that should happen. And the reason why people get angry and hurt and upset is because there's something that we wanted and we didn't get it. That is so easy to see in the supermarket when you see um, uh, parents with little kids. Of course it is, because you go past the sweets aisle and they'll say, can I have one of those? And mum or dad will say no or whoever. Uh, And then you can see it building up. I called in at Asda just um, uh, a little while back in Ipswich. It was late at night. Well, not late, it was about eight o'clock. And... um, uh, and there was uh, parents with, um, with children there. And honestly, the noise that one child made, which kind of reverberated around the store, was quite incredible. When I got to the, ca- um, the, the tills just to, um, uh, to pay for what I was buying, uh, the cashier just said the inevitable. Someone's not very happy, are they? But I think, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. Because you see, a child doesn't understand, but what are they saying? If they don't get the sweet... They will kick, they will... I mean, I remember... My, I'm not going to tell you any stories about mine because that would just be cruel. Maybe one. No, no, I'm not going to. Uh, and, uh, and they'll fall on the floor, they'll scream, they'll go red, they'll kick, they'll do whatever. Why? It's because there is something that they want and they can't get it. And it takes immense strength of a parent to still say no, doesn't it? Because it is much easier to say, oh, go on then, just to keep them quiet. Do you know what? God looks, God our Heavenly Father looks at us and he says, come on you lot, grow up. Grow up. It's not because they got the job over you. It's not because they didn't praise you as you wanted or you'd hoped. You're mad, you're angry, you're depressed. Why? Because you didn't get what you wanted. And what James is saying is own that. Come on, own it. James goes on, goes on to say this. He says, you desire, but you do not have. So you kill, you covet, but you can't get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. When he says kill, that isn't actually literal. Okay, that wasn't happening too much like that in the church at the time. But what he's picking up on is this, is that you go to extremes. You think of ways in which you might have treated your husband or your wife or your kids or your work colleagues to get your way. Okay, your moods. Your shouting, your body language, your conversation with others, just the manipulation that we can do in order to get our way. And he talks about this, that you covet. There are two Greek words for this word called covet. There is a really common one, and it basically means that you desire something deeply, but you keep it within so people can't see it. It's just what you hold in. I want that, I want that, I want that. But then there's another word. It only comes up two or three times in the New Testament, and it's actually described this way. It means to hotly pursue it. In other words, there's this all-out approach to get your own way. So you're mad with your spouse and, uh, and, uh, spouse and you're mad with your boss and you're mad with your friends. And James says, grow up. That's what he's saying through these verses. He's saying, grow up. Because the bottom line is, you didn't get your way, did you? 
No, I didn't. The problem, the problem, the reason why this is so hard, and we'd like to try and deflect it, is because there is this thing in you and me, and it's called self. And it's like a monster that never gets satisfied. You know, we think that we can satisfy ourselves by feeding ourselves, but we are never satisfied. You know, kind of think, if I get this, then then I'm going to be happy. If I get this person, then I'm going to be happy. And we think that if we can get that one thing, it will satisfy us. And it doesn't, because in a sense, there there is part of us which never gets satisfied. I went out for a fantastic meal yesterday. We went um, to Milsom's at Dedham. It was a posh meal. Oh, had a steak, had a steak. It was gorgeous. It was such a great time. And I sat there around the table thinking, well, that's it. I've got Slimming World the next day, uh, or in two days' time. So that's it. And I got home. We watched a bit of telly, got to tea time. Chip shop next door, bring it on. It's because somehow, even though you eat a lot, you, you, you never get satisfied. C.S. Lewis said something really interesting. He said this, a glutton thinks as much about food as a starving person does. It's because we all have these desires that we kind of need feeding. And we think, if I can get that, and if I can get that. And when I don't get that, well, that's when I'll kick against people because they ought to give that to me. And we start to feel that anger and that frustration inside. So we need to develop a new attitude and a new perspective on life. This is what James is picking up on. This is why following Jesus makes a difference to our lives. Because we don't go down the same old route as everyone else. He calls us to a different life. And the problem is, is that we try to squeeze what we want out of other people And it's an unfair expectation. I've been married to uh, Sarah now for 17 years. Um, And when we were going out, um, I I was so excited. I really was. Uh, And I thought that getting married, that's going to satisfy, one, that real deep down need to be loved. um, That um, I I knew that Sarah uh, would love me. Um, I I considered, I don't have to feel lonely anymore because I've got someone with me. I've got help with bringing up the kids uh, and um, the intimacy that that I kind of longed for, that I would find that intimacy uh, in Sarah. And the problem is, is that Sarah can't satisfy all of those needs in me. And so what happens in my head? I think, come on, Sarah, you married me, so I shouldn't be feeling like this. And so, come on, Sarah, you you need to give me more, please. And I start to put expectations on Sarah that are utterly unfair, unreasonable, and unrealistic. But it's because I'm wanting to get certain things kind of satisfied in my life. I'm never going to get full and stay full. That's food, that's everything. (laughs) And so, a spouse a job, friends, possessions, they will never satisfy us. They have never been designed to satisfy those deepest needs within us. That's why we will always blame someone when a a relationship starts to go wrong. Uh, The the root of that relationship, uh, of that difficulty, is always going to be the other person because they haven't met my needs. 
And probably there will be someone who will feel squeezed right now because of you, because you've made them to feel responsible for something which is not your responsibility, or not their responsibility. And James is saying, you need to grow up. You need to own your problems. That our problem, my problem, with you is actually not about you. It's about the battle that I can't contain within me because I want to be right and I want my way. And so how do you solve that? Well, we'll come on to that in just a moment. This is what James says. Next verse, please. You do not have, here we go, because you do not ask God. Have you ever asked God for stuff rather than trying to get it from those people around you? God, I desperately need to be loved. I need to know that I'm loved. Do we go to God or do we try and find that in our friends or find that in our work colleagues or find that in our spouse? We need to have a different way of thinking. The reason that we don't have what we want is because we've never thought about asking God for it. Because God is the source. This is what James says just earlier on in the letter. We haven't picked up on this so far. He says this, that every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. That's basically of God who's created the moon, the sun, the stars, who does not change like shifting shadows. In other words, God is rock solid. He is certain. He is unchanging. Every good and perfect gift is from above. So which good and perfect gift comes from God? According to that, what is it? Every, every good and perfect gift. And where does it come from? It comes from God. So every good and perfect gift comes from God. And your and my heavenly father is the source of everything that we need. So we don't squeeze our significance out of our job. We don't squeeze all the love that we want out of um, our partner. Instead of losing our temper at our boss or our work or our spouse, we need to go to God and tell him and remind ourselves that the God is the source of every good and perfect. He's the one that we need to be going to first. He's the one. And the downside of that is every now and again, God says no. That's, that's the downside of this. And at that point, when God says no, when we ask for something, you and I have to decide who's in charge. Is Jesus Lord of my life or am I Lord of my life? Jesus, or God, um, says, bring every need, every desire, every wish to me. And sometimes I'll say yes, and sometimes I'll say no. And we, this is so important. If you, if you want to be able to walk with God, believing and knowing that he is the source of every good and perfect gift, we have to come to acknowledge this. The next slide, please. Oh, sorry, I've, I've missed one out. We have to learn to say no or to take no as an answer. That's what we have to do. We have to learn to take no as an answer. Go back to the previous slide. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Pleasures is basically desires. And we want our desires to be satisfied. And when they're not met, we come to God and we ask him. 
And we have to learn to say no or to take no as an answer. Listen, we won't always get what we want. We just won't. Actually, tell the person next to you, can you? You're not always going to get what you want. Just tell the person next to you. Can you just do that now? This is really important. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. Some people have started crying. That's fine, you know. It's a... So if that's the case, so if we really want something and we go to God and God says, no, what's the point? What's the point? Is there a point? Is there a reason? Is, is, is that a good thing? Some of you might still be searching for faith and you're thinking, great, Fanny, well, that's really good. So I can ask God. God says, no, brilliant. I'm no better off, am I? That, but that's what it is, isn't it? So what do we get? I'll tell you what we get. We get peace. We get peace because we come under God's authority knowing that every good and perfect gift comes from him. So we're under his canopy of, of, of a God who loves us and who promises every good and perfect thing comes from him. And secondly, we get protection. And the protection is from those things that have the potential to destroy our lives. Because let's be honest, if we manage our own lives without God, there are times which we look back and we think, why the heck did we do that? You know, some of you uh, might well, uh, your, your marriage has ended. And, and if you stop and reflect, you, you might just look and think that I got myself into that relationship and I really wished I hadn't. I didn't listen to God on it. Some of you will have bought stuff because that's what you like. You get significance from it or it feeds that something inside of you. And you buy stuff that you really want and now maybe money is a bit tight or debt is building and you think... I didn't need it. Why didn't I listen to God on that? Or maybe you find yourself in a job that you hate, but you went for it because it would improve your status, your friends would be impressed, or your bank balance would look better. And you'd taken the extra money because that's what's going to make you happy, and you're really unhappy. And you think, why didn't I listen to God on that? You and I, we have the potential to get things that have no, we have no business of getting just because we want it. And when we ignore God, who gives the good and perfect gifts, we get ourselves in all sorts of muddles. And God says, why live the rest of your life like that? There's a different way, a better way, where you can begin by saying, God is my father, you are the source of every good thing, and I'm going to learn to take no for an answer on occasions. You know, when the kids were growing up, Sam, Alice, and Rachel, I've got um, three children, uh, there was something with me as a dad who just loved to say yes when they asked for something. I worked on a principle of yes, unless there was a good reason to say no. Fortunately, my wife balanced me out on that one. And, um, uh, and so who is it that the kids would want to um, uh, ask anyone? It was me. Every time they would come up and they would try and ask me first. Uh, because they kind of knew that I worked on the principle. I never told them that, but I worked on the principle. It was yes, unless there was a good reason to say no. So who ended up taking them to parties to go and see friends, to go on school trips? Yeah, you see, it was me, wasn't it? Uh, because I loved to be able to say yes. Sometimes I had to say no, and it was for the very same reason as I would say yes, because it would be for their good. Because some requests that my kids made weren't great requests. Some parties weren't going to be safe or helpful for them to attend. 
Some Sunday sports would take them away from church and friends, which I think was critical at the time and is probably part of why they might still be going on with God today. Some of their dress sense, their clothing, if you could call it clothing, was not appropriate as well. Listen, Jesus says to you and to me that we have a father who loves to give good gifts to us. And based on the fact that we view him as the source of every good and perfect gift, and that we go to him for those things, there will be times when he says, I'd love to give you that. And there are other times, for whatever reason he sees, because he knows best, he chooses to say no. And it's always for a reason. So you might find yourself not with a partner, and you would desperately like that. And you can either run and try and find one yourself, or you can say, God, I still feel lonely. Will you help me with that? Or God, I still feel empty. Can you help me with that? God, it seems at work I've been overlooked again. Can you help me with that? And do you know what? God says, I'd love to help you with that because my grace is sufficient for you. Because everything you need, I have. So you come to me. And if you don't get what you want, I can still give you what you need. Because I am the source of every good and perfect gift. Now that is a better way to live than I'm going to go out and get what I want and I'm going to be offended and upset and I'm going to shout and stamp my feet and roll on the supermarket floor until I get my way. Choosing the other option, James's option, is a much better way. And so Sarah brings me so much joy. My kids bring me so much joy. My friends bring me so much joy. This church brings me so much joy. But none of those things or people are the source of every good and perfect gift. They're not. It's because my heavenly Father is the source. They're just channels that God chooses to bless my life with and I am so grateful. When you and I look at life through that lens, there is incredible peace and incredible protection on our lives. And we'll stop blaming others for our unhappiness and our sense of discontent. And we can come under the rule and the protection of our Heavenly Father and of Jesus who longs to be Lord of our lives. So who have you blamed because, for your unhappiness because you didn't get your way? Who have you made life difficult for? Maybe, maybe there's someone that you need to go and say, I didn't get my way and I reacted this way and I'm sorry and I want you to forgive me. Maybe there's a step that we need to take there. Maybe there's a step which says, God, I'm going to take my hands off, off, off this area of my life because I've made a mess trying to sort it myself and I want to just open it up for you. And I want you to give me what you want to give me. Your good and perfect gift. It's a great way to live. It's a great way to live. Let me pray for us. Lord, we find it so easy to get into arguments and fights with others, whether at church, in the family, at home, uh, or, or whether at work, or whether with our friends. And Lord, we just want to admit that the root of that is because we're not getting our way because things are not going as we want that we want to be right and we see that in kids and we smile and we see that in ourselves and we're ashamed 
So Lord, would you forgive us? And would you start to deal with those things, the reactions that we make? And I pray that you would help us to look to you, our Heavenly Father, as the source of every good and perfect gift. That we would find the depth of love in you that we can't find anywhere else, that no one else can provide, that we would find our security and our sense of purpose in life in you, not in jobs, not in other people. Help us, Lord, to look to you and to allow your grace to be sufficient for us. In Jesus' name, amen. That's all for this week. Thanks once again for joining us. We'd love to keep the conversation going, so please check us out on social media at Forge Church and check out our website, forgechurch.com, where you can give financially, watch new content and see any details of events we have going on here at The Forge. See you next week.